Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. That's it. Welcome to the EFTM Formula 1 podcast. Trevor Long with you alongside Connor McNally and Harry Tucker. And it is the Japanese Formula 1 Grand Prix of 2022. Uh, and it's great to be awake at a normal time of night and getting to go to bed at a normal time. And my main message right now to everyone in the UK and Europe is big middle finger from me because we don't care that it's the middle of the night for you. Okay, we're sick of seeing your tweets. Oh, it's so hard to watch Formula One at this hour. And I'm sick of Crofty telling me that it's very early in the morning for the UK because we don't care. Connor, Harry, welcome. Connor, full race or KO Mini? KO Mini. Harry? I mean, KO Mini, but you're pretty much going to get the whole racing action in the Mini, I'd say, this time. <laughs> exactly. Now, mini. we it's do like it thanks to KO minutes, Sports. Right? And, yeah, it's normally 25 to 30. It'll probably be yeah. an even shorter one this week. But here's, here's what I have to say, and we might talk about this a little bit later in on, but what a great weekend to exhibit to, to people you know and just to enjoy yourself uh, a KO Sports subscription because – I had it set up. I had all the kids just sat here in my man cave at home, even though we've got a big lounge room and whatever. My wife came in at one point and went, what are you all doing in here? We had on the projector, I had KO, full screen, beautiful Bathurst. Then on my Mac, I had a four screen split with four other, like the driver cam, the in-car cam, the helicopter cam, and the the tracking data for Bathurst. And then when F1 time came around, we went to a picture-in-picture on the projector with the F1. So we ended up with... Massive numbers of split screens going on. I've got to tell you, it's the best way to watch motorsport in the history of time. And it only made me think, if only we had this when I was a kid. But anyway, that's moving on for another generation to look back on and go, what, you used to watch it when you only had one picture? Um, that's what our kids will, will whinge about and, <laughs> exactly and wonder right. in the future of time. Um, so thank you to um, Japanese Weather and the FIA for delaying the start of this race until after Bathurst had finished. That was great. Um, the initial start, a couple of, couple of laps, a bit of carnage we, we, we saw within Bathurst, but then we, we waited a bit. So let's talk about that initial start, boys, which um, – I didn't watch any of the build-up. This was weird for me. I didn't watch any of the build-up. I don't have any of the kind of, you know, on-the-ground knowledge. It's very much like, you know, Alan Jones and Daryl um, Eastlake, no information from the ground, just let's get into the race. Um, Harry, what did you make of the start? Should it have happened uh, in the first place, the original timed start? Yes, definitely. Well, I mean, what's the point of wet tyres and and having them at every race if we're not using them. And, and that's a big thing we'll, we'll definitely get into later. But yes, it definitely should have started. I think it was a good thing that it did. Um, and, you know, if these sort of the teams are, are taking these decisions to go on the intermediate tyres because they think that it's going to be faster. But, you know, if it's if it, the track is too wet for them, they can always start on the wets. And, you know, we got some incidents because teams chose not to use the wets at that point. And that's just what mm. happens. It's, it's motorsport. And that's the critical thing here, Connor, isn't it? We, it's been an interesting weekend for that, and we'll we'll have a deeper conversation about the kind of regulations and the the calling of time on different events and and wet tires. But off the start here, you had Vettel going backwards, literally. Um, we had signs into a wall on his own, uh, un, uninterrupted. Um, there was a fair bit of carnage on an opening lap, which you would expect, Connor, with cars packed so close together, rooster tails, and uh, intermediate tires on a wet track. Yeah, absolutely, and basically. 
Carlos uh, just got it all wrong. He aquaplaned in the wet, and everyone actually started the race on intermediates. My opinion was, why not use the, the full wets? The conditions, I felt, were a wet weather tyre race, not an intermediate tyre. So, because we had this downpour that happened soon after the race started and delayed the, the restarting of the race. So, in my opinion, I, I would have gone for the full wets, but uh, it was very much a chaotic start. I mean, as you said, Vettel went backwards and he spun, you know, after starting in the top 10, went back to the field and then Carlos, as you, as you saw, aquaplaned and he, he actually got quite a bit of air in that hit after he cut, um, as you're heading up towards the spoon. That was a nasty hit. And if you have a look at some of the van, fan vision on, on Twitter, yeah, he hit with quite a ferocious pace. What I found fascinating was you have all these cars going off um, and you have a bunch that aren't, let's be clear. You, you know, incidents are, are a fascinating and exciting thing in motorsport, but, you know, the percentage of the of the field that was on the track was still higher than off. And then the, the race was red flagged almost immediately. Now, at that point of the red flag, I don't know about you, but I'm yelling, let someone try the wets. Like that's that's what I was thinking, Harry, was hang on a minute. You don't red flag a race that's mm. wet when they're on inters. You basically let them realise that they're going to have to change tyres. They made the wrong decision. Because that's essentially what you're saying, Harry, isn't it? They made the wrong decision. So Correct. come in, change to wets. Let's let's see how that goes. Let's see some pit stop you know, dramas. Let's see all that stuff. And let's see some idiot stay out there on inters and see how long it lasts. I mean, that's what I was expecting. Uh, the, the argument that that is being used is more to do with the vision and, and talking about how much spray comes off the back of the cars and, and is it safe to follow them when you can't see anything. But, mm. you know, this is this is not a new issue. This is not a, this is not an issue that didn't exist with tyres and cars, uh, you know, in previous seasons when it did rain. And to me, it definitely feels like the, the, the FIA and, and Formula 1 and the teams are pushing to be more conservative because they're probably worried about things like the cost cap um and you know crashes and how that impacts their costs and expenses mm -hmm. with that which you know i'm all i'm a big fan of the cost cap and you know that, that just needs to be something they have to learn to deal with you can't just change the sport and take away wet racing because you want to put your money elsewhere because that's essentially what it looked like for uh, a good hour was hang on a minute we're we're getting to a point here where wet racing doesn't exist in formula one yeah. again i wasn't watching any of the commentary um, we'll get to the Pierre Gasly stuff in a minute, but I wasn't watching what they were saying, but it felt to me like it was feeling unlikely that there was going to be a race to the point where in, in noticing when the 10 minute time was called. So they said there'd be a 10 minute notice. It felt like everyone was taken by surprise by that. I think they were, they were very much surprised by that. And I guess my biggest concern was, has everyone just given up on the fact that they, they want to race in the wet now? Mm. I don't understand why there's such a reluctance. I understand the cost cap concern. I do agree with Harry in that regard, but it's like we're, we're taking away that element of the drivers actually experiencing racing in the wet. It's nothing new. We've seen wet, wet weather races in the past, and we've seen some cracking races for those that have watched Formula One for a long time. But it seems to me like that 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 danger factor of racing in the wet and experiencing you know the limited visibility is now becoming lost upon so many fans and probably the drivers because they're not getting that much experience. And I think that's a detriment to the sport because we really should have that added element of, you know, racing in these type of conditions and seeing who actually excels in the wet and who excels in the dry or who excels in the intermediates. Um, we, we're just losing Which is that. historically a measure of 
a great driver. We've we've mm. often we can name drivers who are like Lance Stroll, renowned. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> I mean, you laugh, but Latifi, have you seen his Latifi turned? I'm going to say that in practice where he turned off the track <laughs> at the wrong point and then blamed yes. the car. But you're right, Lance no, Stroll actually Lance not Stroll horrible in the rain. Incredible. Mm. Have you seen his start? The clip from his start? No. Well, when we get off here, first thing you do. I don't know. This is the first thing we're going to do on me. No, you should. Okay, you send it to me and I'll watch it. But, <laughs> but the point is. If you say, for example, Lance is actually slightly better driver in the wet, that's the kind of thing that he should use to his advantage in these situations. But I think let's talk before we get into the restart because there was enough of delay. Let's talk about wet motor racing because for me, and I don't know how you write it in the rules, but essentially that race should have been deemed to start on wet tyres. I agree. Maybe maybe a race should never start on inters. Maybe Mm. a, a race where there has been standing water or falling rain over 10 millimetres in the last two hours should be required to start on wet. So a a race that's determined to be wet, because they actually make that determination, should start on wet tyres. And then it is up to the skill and the senses of the driver to switch down through the tyres. You know, that's, that's the skill is to go, you know what, I can do this on inters. And if you'd have come in after one lap and gone on to inters and tried to roll your luck, good luck to you. That's if you think you can do it. That's the advantage, but you shouldn't be going up through the ranks uh, of tyres in that sense. But again, how do you write that into a regulation, Harry? It's nearly impossible, probably. Well, can you? I mean, what you just said sort of made sense because you you know they already deem these races wet or dry races, and you know if wet race, then wet tyres. Yeah, that, that's. I mean, we're sort of just spitballing on the fly, but something like that seems like a solution for this. But again, because comes... a wet tire, they they talk about how you know they're very the the big knobs on the tires make it very yeah. weird in 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 corners because if they if there is any grip, it becomes a little bit kind of wobbly because that's an extra movement in the car. Great, bring it on. Let's have mm. some difference in it. <laughs> like that's yeah, the yeah. excitement of it. I mean, it's better than not racing at all. Yeah, and that's what we get because uh, you know Formula One podcast, but. I think, Connor, you have a slightly different opinion to me on, for example, the top 10 shootout at Bathurst. You know, that, that event was called and there was zero track action. I felt like you thought that that was the right thing to do from a safety perspective, holus bolus, done. Yeah, I, I do. I stand by that. I stand by that because I looked at some of the vision yesterday. I was watching KO Sports as you would, and I, I, they did a number of laps with the, the, the course car and, and had the officials involved, and I believe Michael Massey was at Bathurst this, this weekend yep. as well. So, And they, they did a number of laps um, just to, to look at the track and how much standing water was there. Because, I, I mean, I've seen Bathurst in the past where 92 was a great example. You were there, Trev, when mm. the, the weather was just... Pack of assholes. Yeah. <laughs> they were bucketing down and... Um, and they still raced, but the, like just the standing water, and I'm just—I don't know. Sometimes I'm in two minds whether we should actually be going out there and racing. But because I was so much, and they were actually starting to flood at at, at some points of the track, yeah. and I just looked and I'm thinking, you couldn't race in those conditions, or couldn't do a, a a shootout in those conditions. And yes, I understand. Yeah, you, know, you you adapt to the conditions, and, I, and I'm sure every driver would have done that. But when you've got so much standing water, and the risk of aquaplaning is much much higher, even with the the wet tyres that they've got, if they're not made up to the job, something's horribly wrong. And I think Dunlop have now realised that they they've been caught napping. In so, that 
I I tweeted yesterday afternoon at the point it was cancelled that cancelling the top 10 is a massive deal for the sport, huge ratings, huge opportunity to showcase sponsors, very disappointing for all concerned. My second line was, frankly, I'd like to see them out there. Here's a tip, drive slower in the wet bits. And with a smiley face, by the way. Um, I've got a lot of replies, <laughs> a lot of replies to that. And apparently, Crompley in some way mentioned either me or my tweet and in the very start of the coverage. I didn't hear it or see it, so hopefully it didn't bag me heavily, but I I probably would have got more more replies if he did. So hopefully it wasn't. But I, I know Rihanna Crean replied saying that every single driver wanted it to happen, et cetera. But here's my point. You, you, you come up with a way. So that standing water, the river that was coming down Mountain Straight to, to um, Hell Corner was still there today. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was still there. That was the worst part of the track. So, okay, let's. how do we have a shootout? Let's send them out for three sighting laps before their flying lap. Everyone gets the same treatment. Everyone gets the same look. And you know what? If you crash, you didn't read the racetrack well. I don't know. I just feel like it's it's even easier when it's one car at a time on the track. That, to me, Harry, seemed like a way to go. I feel like just saying no to racing defeats the purpose of having wet tyres and skilled drivers. And, like, it's where has this come from? Like, you know, we're not even talking about just Formula 1 now and, and no. sort of cost cap, like I was mentioning. This is supercars there and you know, where is this mentality of we're not going to race in the way come from especially these cars are safer than ever as well absolutely um, i mean that's that's easy to say for me who's not going to get inside one and, and push it yeah. to its limits in the wet but you know but that, that's still the truth that they're safer and and we've just all of a sudden stopped going in the wet why yeah i just think it's sad connor i think you uh, the person in this room with the greatest number of memories of your childhood and racing <laughs> over time um could probably remember better but you know wet racing has been a part of our motorsport lives for a very very long time so yeah, it kind of feels cool. weird that it's um that it's something that we're not going to see it feels like we're, we're just not going to see it much yeah and i'm and i'm at one you know at pains to see that happening because I, like you trevor i want to see drivers in the way, particularly at places like Suzuka and places like Bathurst. I mean, Spa, for example, I mean, we saw the debacle of what happened there last year. So, you know, the fact that we're lessening the the ability to have drivers race in the wet and get their skills, you know, to, to, to read the conditions and drive to the conditions, you know, I think it's an absolute travesty. We should be doing more of it, not disencouraging it. That's, that's no. the biggest concern. Well, let's get back to the to Japan and Suzuka and and the wet, and we're still in the in the the early original restart here. Um, we had a red flag. Now the red flag was called, and there was some angry radio from Pierre Gasly, and it wasn't clear until later mm. on when someone found it on Twitter, and then it was replayed in the coverage. Um, a while there, later, though, a yeah. long while later, there was a because originally I thought the angry because he said, "What the hell was this?" I thought it was the uh, advertising board that he'd hit, which he probably was. You know, blown up, blown away, but he didn't know what it was. But he drove around the track, and there was a tractor on the track. Now he's gonna get penalty because he was going too fast under a red flag. Like he's been called to the stewards. Oh, I'm not contesting that. Let's say he was going too fast. But this was the worst conditions. Okay, very hard to see in front of you, and there was a large, you know, JCB cat tractor style thing on the physical track driving mm-hmm. down the road. At the same time, there were Formula One cars in on the track full stop. Now, it's outrageous to me because we all know what happened uh, with Jules Bianchi at Suzuka, the same track in the rain, but not even as bad as this rain. 
And the fact is he and every team and every driver have every right to be filthy about that because those tractors should never come out until, A, there's a, a virtual safety car and, and there's a clear understanding of that it's an easy move and there's clear line of sight. B, there's a safety car and all the cars are backed up together. Well, C, if it's red flagged, wait for, it, wait for all the cars to be in the pits. Connor, it was outrageous. It was definitely outrageous. And I, I in fact, picked it up to share with you guys. When I saw the tweet, I'm thinking, what the hell? Because we saw what happened with Jules Bianchi back in 2015, and that was tragic, tragic in itself. But to see that and then to listen to, to Pierre's audio, he had every right to be angry. He was absolutely pissed, and I would feel exactly the same as well. So, And now everyone's trying to make him to be the scapegoat. Even Sky mm. were... We're that was ridiculous. That, that was yeah, yeah, Harry, I think you made the point about um, it feels like the the commentary, it feels like the way the FIA, it feels like we're watching what you think you refer to as like state-sponsored TV. Yeah. You know, when you go to China, it's very hard to get an outside view of the world. It's because that's the way the Chinese want it. And this is the thing about the FIA, and frankly, it's the same with supercars. The people mm. that you hear commentating with supercars are employed by supercars. Now, Sky Sports is different. They're an independent um, broadcast rights owner, but I feel like, you know, to keep it sweet in the paddock and, you know, keep it sweet with everyone, it's just good to play the straight bat and do all these things. They had, what, from what I could see, they had people like Karun and and Jensen, people standing around the sky pad talking about this, Harry, and basically mm. blaming Pierre for being going too fast. Yes, he went too fast, but can we talk about the tractor on the circuit? Yeah. It was it was bizarre. Like it was Johnny Herbert was the worst. I don't know oh, what really? he was going on about. Yeah, he kept just going on about how he was speeding and like you know he basically tried to put the whole thing on Pierre. Um, I think Crofty was was oh, no, Crofty wasn't there. Um, oh, but Crofty was speaking over the top of him. He was he was just as bad. Everyone except probably Jensen Button was trying to place the blame on Pierre and they throw mm. the token in. Oh, you know, we're saying this alongside the fact that the tractor shouldn't have been there, but then, you know, very aggressively go back to why it was mostly Pierre's fault. But Did they even mention Jules Bianchi in this? No. 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 Wow. Not at all. And, and uh, one of you pointed out that uh, Jules's father on, on, on Instagram even posted about the fact that there was just a complete disregard for the lives of the drivers. Well, in, in the same thing. Yeah, Pierre as well, and he he had an interview, um, just after the race, basically said the same thing. Like, you know, this this happened to Jules, and how have we not learned from this? Um, you sort of saying, I'm I'm sorry that I may have been speeding, but you know that's not what this is about. Everything that everyone else was saying about just shouldn't have been there to begin with. Um, and he was, I'm going to go home tonight and and bring all my friends and family. I could have died today. Like that's mm. he was pretty devastated yeah. by it because you know. Aquaplaning happens at low speed, yeah. not just high speed. And you see it happen in Sydney. Yeah. So I think Pierre's got every right to be really angry uh, about that. And I think that the way it was handled by the broadcast media seemed to lack vision for the broader picture. I think some of well, the online you know, journalists were very clear about it, but yeah. she was, Connor, I, I don't think it was handled well at all. It wasn't handled well at all. And 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 all for that, was he got penalty points as well. So he's got the penalty for speeding under red flag conditions past that, uh, that tracker situation. And to make matters worse, he's now got penalty points as a result of that, which I think is just absolutely ludicrous. I can understand if he was speeding past a red flag situation, if it was in dry conditions. Yeah, you, should, you deserve the penalty for that. But if the conditions were that bad to see and the red flag hadn't come out of that point and there was a tractor on the circuit, 
Well, of course he would feel absolutely pissed off for, for what mm-hmm. he saw. I think in this instance, he was an absolute scapegoat by the officials. It's just absolutely appalling. Yeah. Uh, it was a really, really sad thing to see at Suzuka. I mean, that's the worst part is it's not like mm-hmm. we're talking about it was at Austin and um, maybe they don't have a, a recollection of what happened there. But this was at Suzuka. And I, yeah, anyway, it's, it's it, there's a lot of rules need to be tightened up there and, um, you know, officials coming on. All those things need to be continually looked at because those are the risks on a, on a Formula 1 circuit. And I know it's weird because we were just talking about putting drivers at risk by racing in the wet, but that's kind of – that that's – that's their job is is to race and to learn conditions and slow down if it needs to be. But, you know, an official doesn't have the opportunity to do that. And so because I saw one of the commentators saying, well, that could have been a, a marshal out there. And one of the commentators said, why would there be a marshal out there yeah. in this visibility walking on the track, which was the right thing to say. Um, it was a poor example. The fact is a tractor is much more dangerous to the drivers than it is to anyone else. But we, we had to sit and wait, I don't know, an hour or so. The race resumed with... Once it once it became one of those, okay, we've got to get this done within the three-hour window, all those kind of calculations came in. A clock started counting down on the Sky Sports coverage, and we all knew that we were either not going to get a race or it was going to be a short one, and we ended up getting a a, a, a warning for 15 minutes past the hour, which gave us a, essentially a 40- to 45-minute race. Now, I'm not averse to that. I think it's a great thing. I'm glad it happened. But it, the track looked pretty similar to it did like 20 minutes earlier and 30 minutes earlier. I don't know why... It took that long. It felt like there was a long period without anything in terms of weather, Harry, and I think they could have done it earlier. I mean, yeah, I, I thought it looked like that as well. But again, we're, we got the benefit of not being there and, and yeah. just looking at it from television. But, you know, why why do they don't they not send the safety car around a little more often? Um, maybe it's just raining. We can't see it. But yeah. it was weird. It didn't look any different. And then within, I think, a lap of the safety car being out there, the drivers are going, yep, this is... This is fine. We can race. Yeah. And then they were off. So it was fascinating it, because yeah. the drivers up the front were saying, let's go. And the drivers oh. at the back were going, whoa, 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 this is really hard to see, which which was a good point because in the end, I'll, I'll give you my favorite part of the race, and it was at the very, very end. Uh, Max was up in the in the debrief, the quiet room with uh, Sergio, and a, and a picture came up of Pierre's car, the the – the, the camera on top of the car and Max looked at him and went, wow, you can't see anything. And I'm thinking, yeah, you could see everything. You had no one in front <laughs> of no you. No one in front. <laughs> it's a real, it's a real indicator of the difference between, you know, the, those that have and the have nots. But, um, <laughs> Connor, the race did finally get under, underway and look, essentially Max went away with it. I mean, there wasn't a lot of action to be honest off the start or much during the race, but there was a lot of close, um, following from what I saw Connor. things like, Hamilton trying to pass Ocon unsuccessfully. That that kind of stuff was pretty much the big deal for, for the show, for, for the race. It was a very big deal. And the fact that Ocon was able to successfully defend and uh, keep Lewis at bay, that was actually probably one of the highlights of the, the second half of the race. Mm. The fact that, that Hamilton was not able to get past Ocon uh, speaks volumes that this year's Mercedes is a bit of a dog. I, I mean, to the credit of Hamilton, he drove very, very well and, and challenged Ocon brilliantly. But Ocon's skill in these conditions was was actually quite applaudable. I thought he drove a very, very good race, particularly in those conditions. Yeah, and I think, Harry, the thing that he did do from, from what I saw was he drove smart. Um, yep. He drove with, with room. Um, man, some of that stuff coming in a, what is it called, 130R or whatever, like that was mm. full-on stuff. And... Well done to him. Probably his best yeah. that I've seen. 
very good effort. And you're, it was all about being smart, like you said, because we could see Fernando, who was in the opposite you know, position there where he was behind George Russell and trying to get past him, um, basically use the advantage that the Alpine had, which was on the straights. It was much, much quicker than the Mercedes to basically, you know, hold the position there. And then when you get to the twisty bits, when there's only kind of one racing line because it's so wet um, that, that they can't use any other line to get around, he he was perfect there. So he he knew to keep ahead of Lewis there, give him no room on the straight, and then he could just hold him very easily in the on the corners where... Fernando knew that as long as he could keep up with George Russell in the corners, he'd have him in the straight. So mm. it was just very smart driving, knowing the advantage that you have in your car. And I think, Connor, that's the kind of stuff we saw through here. And then we've got to, got to talk about Daniel quickly. I mean, he started the restart in eighth. Um, Lando was back a bit. But I don't know why, but Lando pitted early for Inters uh, and Daniel waited a bit. Do we do we suspect that was Daniel's decision or McLaren's? What are we thoughts? I think it's McLaren's decision, pure and simple. I think, you know, they're going to put Lando over Daniel any day, really, given that there's only, what, five races left in the in the season and Daniel's very much on the outer. Lando's going to be their prime focus for the rest of the season. I mean, Daniel should have made Q3 last night. He was very, very unlucky not to have made Q3 because mm. I think Daniel had a very, very quick car and he was able to drive to the conditions quite well. I think that was probably one of his better races in, in a year that has been very much on the downward, unfortunately. And mm. for him to be like, what, three thousandths of a second out or whatever, I mean, that was just heartbreaking for Dan. And you could tell by the team radio yesterday, uh, when he was told he just missed out on on making it into Q3, he was just absolutely gutted because I think he would have made a very good impression in the final part of qualifying. Yeah. And he he got he got basically uh, shafted. I think that that's the way I see it. Lando in tenth, Daniel in eleventh at the end. Nicholas Latifi in ninth, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my God. Um, yeah, I mean points. that's just circulating, right? That's just yeah. He just he just circulated well. Um, and and didn't take the wrong turn like he did in practice. He he did okay. I mean, it's not rocket science. He's not going to come twenty first. No, <laughs> no, it's not. He's got the point. Um, two points and, and two points because it was four points race. We'll get to that in a minute. Too. Um, <laughs> Fernando had some pace, but didn't uh, didn't end up getting back at uh, at Seb. And Seb was in six, which is a nice thing because there's this romantic thing about Seb and Japan, and you know it's his last race there. So I guess Harry. That's nice, uh, sixth place for Seb, and, and shows, again, I think it shows, like we were talking about earlier, a driver that can drive in the wet. And it was a photo finish as well, one one-hundredth of a second between them. Wow. The and we didn't line. see it. No. TV director on fire. Oh. <laughs> what were we even been watching? You've just got to go onto Twitter and find some of the fan vision because I think that's probably where some of the best racing we we saw from the race was from the fans recording in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrible to say, but it's true. Don't say now, that because now now you know Liberty will ban people bringing their phones in. Yeah, good luck to them. Good yeah, luck to them. But they luck. they would like that, I reckon. They they'd much probably. prefer that because they would have preferred, especially with like um, Joe's crash at Silverstone. They would have preferred that mm. they had. They had all the all the vision and all the things, but in fact, the best was again from the fans there. Um, look, I, I don't know about you, but I don't think there was much or much else to talk about in the race other than the last corner for second and third place. Uh, Sergio was right on Charles's clacker, and by the way, at this point, to set the scene for those of you that haven't watched the race, um, at this point, we're thinking Sergio, hey, go Sergio, good for the constructors. We're not thinking, hey, 
go Sergio because Max can win the championship. Because, <laughs> and again, I wasn't listening, but I had the had the picture in picture on Ko. So I'm watching Bathurst, picture in picture on a Chromecast. So you got one extra screen, beautiful. I'm watching the Formula One, making sure I know when it's going to restart. And obviously, Sky's padding for time. So one of the graphics they came up with was all about the points. You know, zero to. 20% of the race, 20% to 70%, 70 I don't know what they were, but broadly there was three categories of points to be awarded. And, you know, I think we all went in thinking, well, this is definitely not going to be a full race because it's 40 minutes. Um, there was only 28 laps completed. Um, so no one came into the last lap or the first lap thinking this was going to be a full points race. So, Harry, when Sergio uh, and uh, let, uh, Charles Leclerc were battling on that last corner at the chicane. It was like, ah, oh, and ch- ch- uh, Charles drove through the chicane. We got to, he's got to give that place back. He's going to get a penalty. Even when he did get a penalty, we we didn't think it would affect the world championship. That's was that how your mindset was too, Harry? I thought it was going to affect it only in the sense that it could no longer be Charles. Um, right. Because yes. that, so that bit, but not there was. I didn't think that that Max had won. No one thought Max had won. Like even even Max didn't think he Max won. Max didn't think. And here's the amazing thing, Connor. Um, uh, Johnny did the the first, second, third interviews. He did first, talked to Max, told him it'd be another race. Started talking to Checo, and then he was told in his ear that he had won the world championship because full points were awarded. He pulled Max back over. He told him it was a very subdued answer, reaction, everything. Mm. He then went on to interview Charles and 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 etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Then Max went up to the quiet room, the the wind down room with um with Checo. Uh, Charles wasn't in there at the, at the for the first while, and there was this door, and I noticed it. I said to Jacko, "What about that?" And there's a door there, black paint on it, said "Reserved for World Champion." And someone came in, the dude that has their watches and everything came in, and he goes, "Mate, you got to go in here." And he goes, "What do you mean?" He goes, "You've won the World Championship." He goes, "Have I? Are you sure?" Are you sure? And then Max goes in there, and there's there's this horrid red couch with. Um, a fluffy throw on it, and Max is forced to sit and pose in this weird world championship room. Max didn't, even after speaking to Johnny Herbert, he didn't think he'd won the world championship, Connor. Yeah, it was pretty, the most anticlimactic way of finding out to win a world championship. That that's the way I can really describe it. It's like he he, he thought everyone was as bluffing, you know, calling his bluff that he'd won the world championship. Yeah. Everyone was just pulling his leg. The bullshit factor, and I think his bullshit meter was about ten at that point. And when he was eventually told, "Yeah, you have won the world championship," um, I still think he was in disbelief. I'm still trying to get my head around that that he's won the world championship, and I don't think he would have liked to have won the world championship in this way. I think he would have mm-hmm. liked to have won no. in a full blown race, fair and square. And I, so, I think the fact yeah, that, on, we're, that we're, you know, 30-ish minutes into this episode and we're only just bringing up now that we have a world champion shows how <laughs> weird and just anti, anti-climatic that whole that whole thing was. Do you reckon Max's third world champion would be clear-cut? Because <laughs> no. his first two weren't. No, no, no. No, no. The- no ne- next year it's going to be Sergio is going to actually take out Charles in that corner. And then we're going to have crash day to go with it. There's been a bit of um, weirdness go on since the race, and this is the advantage of not recording straight afterwards. Matteo Bonotto has, has said that the Ferrari won't appeal Leclerc's penalty, um, but he's unhappy about it. And the FIA's decision reads, and this is according to Chris Medlin, um, F1 Journal, he says, the determination takes into account numerous driver's briefings where the race directors advised an advantage would be considered. We all know that. Like, it was obvious from the get-go. But the point is, it, the the real issue isn't that Charles got a penalty. The real issue is Article Fifty Seven 
if the race is suspended in in accordance with Article 57 and cannot be resumed, uh, points are allocated in a certain way. But because we resumed the race, full points are awarded, which makes zero sense to me. Everyone's saying this needs to be fixed, and it's true. This was not a full race. I think, Connor, it it should not be awarded as a full race. I have to agree. In my opinion, the way I see it, it's half points. It wasn't wasn't the full 75% distance that we're accustomed to under the rules. So to me, this is a half points race. The World Championship should be properly decided at the next race, which is in in America at at, uh, at Kona. So, yeah, this is not the way I wanted to see a World Championship decided in this way. And it is, Harry, the point Connor makes is we all in our heads have this 75% race distance thing. So how on earth do we get to full points on a resumed race that doesn't go 75% distance? Makes no sense. From what I've seen, it it sort of just seems like a quirk in the way the rules are written. So, yeah, basically since the race resumed after the red flag, that means that those rules no longer apply. But it was if the race finished on the red flag, that that's seventy five percent, fifty percent, whatever uh, rules do apply. So it, yeah, it seems like right. everyone. So it's it's kind of like when a red flag happens, we look at how far the race has gone. But if a checkered flag Correct. comes out, it's a full race. Correct. Yeah, gotcha. Because essentially, it's a full race because it was time determined. Yes. Um, and this is what they're saying now. We need to clarify that. I don't, frankly, I don't think Red Bull would argue with that determination being changed for the future. But they're certainly not going to argue today that it was a full race. And and I heard uh, that Red Bull and Mercedes were bo- and others were both kind of on the pit wall looking at the rules, and they both kind of agreed at around the same time that it was actually a full points race. So in the end, full points awarded, 25 to Max, all the way down to one point for Lando and two points for Latifi. Um, and so we end up with a 2022 world champion, second, a two-time world champion, Max Verstappen. Um, and that like, that's all credit to, to Red Bull, no doubt, and we'll talk about that in the races ahead. Um, Connor, driver standing-wise, it's a big gap, um, and it's going to get get wider, and Sergio's um, not a clear number two because essentially Sergio can can take out second, but he needs to just basically stay ahead of Charles every race because he's only got a one-point lead. Exactly. It's 113 points now between Verstappen and Perez, so there's yeah, no doubt. doesn't matter anymore. Any- Sorry? That doesn't matter anymore. doesn't matter, exactly. So... For Sappen, world champion, 366 points. Sergio, the battle for second. This is going to be probably the best fight now for the remaining races. 253 to Leclerc's 252. George Russell, 207 points. You can't say he'll get the top three now. I think fourth will be the best for him. But he's five ahead of Carlos Sainz on 202. Lewis Hamilton, pretty much a short of sixth place on 180. Lando Norris, 101. Esteban Ocon, 78 points. Now, that fourth place will definitely help Alpine in the constructor standings. Uh, Fernando Alonso, 65, and Valtteri Bottas on 46 points. And and I think that's the massive race here is obviously Red Bull now want to wrap up the constructors, which they'll probably do in the next race or two, no doubt. Um, but again, it's that fourth place that is neck and neck, and that will probably go down to the last race between Alpine and Mercedes, unless one of them has a blinder, met several races in a row. Absolutely. So Red Bull, 619 points. Ferrari, 454. Mercedes, 387. So that's pretty much assured now of the top three. 
as you said, fourth place. That's going to be fascinating. Alpine are now 13 ahead of McLaren. So Alpine 143, McLaren 130. And it was McLaren last weekend that were, they got ahead only just to Alpine. So massive turnaround of fortunes for McLaren and for Alpine, respectively. Alfa Romeo, 6 on 52. Aston Martin, 45. Haas and Alfa Tauri still equal in eighth place on 34 points. And Williams, by virtue of Latifi getting some points, are on eight. United States Grand Prix at uh, Circuit of the Americas is um, two weeks away, so we get a week off and then uh, Coda and then uh, no no time off straight down to Mexico, a week off then Brazil and then straight over to Abu Dhabi. So it's a, it's a solid end to the season, four races to go. Championship is wrapped up. Uh, Constructors' Championship needs to be determined and I guess really we're now looking at Alpine versus McLaren and um, see who can wrap up that spot in the constructors because it's um it's a fascinating race that's all down to millions and millions of dollars. Um, you'll be able to see every single race uh, coming, every single session, practice, qualifying, you name it, on KO Sports. Um, that's where all the action is, whether it's um, Formula One, uh, cricket, uh, supercars, you name it, it's all happening on KO Sports. So get a, get a subscription now, seven-day trial. Check it out. Enjoy the next race. And, uh, boys, We'll catch up at some ungodly hour. What are we talking for Coda here? Let's have a look. Uh, AM. That's that's good. And qualifying Sunday morning at 9 a.m. What? Oh, that's awesome. Is, yeah. <laughs> so you get my little Harry is going to be out of his mind. You got to got to tell you quickly. So I, Harry's, is, do you refer Harry's to me, eleven. Do you refer my to son, me is your little Harry, not you. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, <laughs> my son Harry. Had a little bit of a conniption last week at Singapore. It's school holidays, but he was still not allowed to, you know, be up that People late. Still think race. you're talking about me? No, my son Harrison. Okay, um, That's still he's my eleven name. years old, right? He's eleven years old. You're not eleven. People know that. <laughs> you do sound young sometimes, and there are photos of you at Walmart where you're a very, very young man. Anyway, so he had a conniption that he couldn't stay up, right? So I said, "Buddy, deal with it. It's life. It is what it is." But next week, the race is at four o'clock. This is going to be grouse. So he's sitting in here absolutely losing his mind going, don't get this race going. I want to get to see the one race of the year. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, the poor bugger. I'm sitting here thinking this is an outrage. They're not running on wets. And he's thinking, I've just, this is the only race I can watch. <laughs> but I'll have to tell him that he's going to be very excited that um, he'll be able to watch a fi- In fact, I think he'll get to watch the whole of the American Grand Prix. That's brilliant. Anyway, that's uh, that's enough from us. Get KO, <laughs> folks. Enjoy and leave a rating and review in the app store, in the uh, iTunes store, because we appreciate knowing who's listening and wh- whether or not you care. It's lovely. <laughs> Boys, see you in a couple of weeks. See you then. See you then.